Hey, thanks for being with us today. This is something we're doing a little bit different. Um, I'm going to have some conversations. I know some of you are familiar with podcasts we've done in the past. We're calling this now um, Not Normal uh, because that's kind of where we're headed. Um, I want you to meet uh, two friends of mine, uh, Kat Smith. Kat has a master's in uh, organizational leadership. It's amazing. Uh, Daniel Marciano he has a master's in um, counseling. Um, they are, they're both very good friends of mine. However, uh, the problem is they're a third my age. Uh, and I think that's the part of this whole thing that's not normal, right? Um, because the people my age, I really don't get stimulated by or refreshed by like I do with you. So today we're going to have some conversation. We're going to start some conversations. And that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a conversation between us. Um, one of the problems that my generation has is that we are stuck in a model from the past. Does, does that make sense? Everything I look at when it comes to Christianity, culture, everything else, is based on 70 years of life much of which is no longer relevant to what we're experiencing now. Does that, does that make sense? So when my generation talks to you about the way America used to be, you never knew that America, right? Does that make sense? Right. Uh, the way the church used to be, you don't know what we're talking about because all you know about is where we are now. And um, the exciting thing for me is that happens to be where God wants us right now. So instead of me trying to navigate what I used to do in this season, I need help. I need help. And so that's why I love having conversations with, with people like you two. Amen? So tell me what you think about that. Does that, does that make sense? Or you okay with that? Well, I, so I grew up in church. I've been in church since day eight on this world. <laughs> My parents took me early. Um, and I got to see some of the transition of 27 years ago only till now. Yeah. And I do believe that there are transitions that were for the better and there were things that did come that could have been better handled. However, I do believe that Christ is moving within our generation and within how we see church. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very important. I also do think it's important to guard the precious things from the church back in the day. It's, there are some attributes and characteristics of the old school church that they're like wine. They get better with time, like certain hymns. Um, it's just more precious. It keeps wow. on growing. And I believe that there should be a, not, not a collision, but a collaboration of what is older, not to say old, but with what is, coming, what is happening now, what is new now. Um, even Pastor Laura talks about it at Young Adults, how God is a generational God. He doesn't discard what is in the past. When God presented himself to Moses, he said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's saying, I'm a generational God. So what I introduced to Abraham back then, I still am working right now, but right now I'm going to do something new with you. So I think it's really important for us to bring both together. Wow. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's um, being raised in fifth-generation Pentecostal family. Um, I've heard all the stories, you know, of like the the 
what church used to be yeah, or yeah. you know from my grandmother and then what church wow. used to be from my parents and then to hear you know like those stories and so and I do agree that I, there are definitely parts of the Christian walk and the Christian faith that there that we have I feel like some generations have like taken something and they're like oh that none of that's for me I'm going to totally rewrite the story and this is what it looks like for us and I do think that there's there's a healthy balance of recognizing that people that have walked before you have already accomplished things they've already um, they've already like tread ground mm-hmm. within the Christian walk and the Christian faith and there's no point in starting over when we can learn from them so it's like I feel like the the new wineskin doesn't necessarily leave everything behind but it leaves pieces like it, or it shifts pieces and it begins to to blend them into what what the Lord is currently doing and so I think there's a healthy there's a healthy balance between recognizing the way that the Lord moved in the past and the way that he's moving now that has to like come into alignment to really just like see the generations begin to merge. And so, um, yeah, definitely it's nothing that it's like, oh, that was all wrong because there was so much good and so much right. And there was, I mean, the, um, when you go back to, I mean, the, through the 1900s, of just the emphasis on Christian education, that wouldn't have happened. And like we wouldn't be people, products of Christian education, both of us, if those things, those had not been seeds that were planted within the early 1900s in the American you know, church history to be able to like create institutions where we can both be marketplace ministers because we have marketplace degrees, but from Christian education universities. Wow. Yeah. And so, so there's like, there are pieces of, of the story that it's like we we cannot if we're going to be healthy and we're going to continue to like pursue God together and to go even deeper then we can't let some of it go we have to learn from it we have to take it we have to modify pull people into the new while still honoring what yeah. the Lord did and recognizing its value and its worth and what the Lord is doing so so let me see if I'm hearing this right I'm thinking what I'm hearing you say is the wine is unchanged, but the container, the skin that holds it, has 100%. to adapt. Is that correct? 100%. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, cracked wine skins, they ruin the wine. So if we're more concerned about preserving the skin than we are releasing the wine, we're going to inhibit what God's doing. Is that correct? I love that. I love that. I think that that's the problem. My generation is much more focused on the method than it is on the on the message. Yeah. Is that right? I think some. Yeah, because I do believe, for example, for our generation, there is this whole focus on specific aspects of the of the word specific specific aspects of christianity that lead into a point of almost legalism where we're like okay now i can do anything because i right yeah yeah yeah. so i believe that's that's where it combines like we would not be here what kat said if it weren't for the the wells that were dug right in the old days however it would be very arrogant of us today to look back and say that's useless now because we got a better way to do it because we wouldn't be here for that (laughs) however it's it goes the other way around too to look at our generation and see where we are going with the word well how we're taking it and what god is doing with through our generation 
and say, no, nah, their, their, their way does not work because it's not how it used to be. I don't think that that is the right mindset either. I think that there should be a collaboration. For me, that's, that's where I stand on. It need, we need to walk together. I love that. I love that. In um, 2019, God really gave me a prophecy, a word in my heart. And one of the things that he talked about was the re revival in our church. And there were two points to stand out to me. Number one, collaboration that we were going to work together. But number two, that there was going to be a mixing of the generations. And I think that's what's so exciting to me. Now, those that refuse to mix kind of repel me. Is that a fair statement? I mean, I, I've got I've got people that I know that have left our church because they've gone. Well, it's it's going to the dogs. That's ridiculous, because I see us. I see three hundred young adults on Monday nights that are literally consumed with worshiping God. They don't do it through singing hymn 157, stanza 1, 3, and 5. Yeah. They do it through a, I mean, some of our worship leaders are a little bit weird. <laughs> but they're bringing us into the presence of God. Isn't that what it's all about? I love that. Well, okay, let's dig a little deeper here. Can we go a little deeper? Yes, sir. So one of the things is, because of the fact that my generation and the people I associate are so fixated on the way things are, they're very fearful of what's going on in the earth right now. And their reaction to it is, is really like water and oil. I mean, they just cannot see. So there's this fear and there's this kind of a wanting to re retreat from it. But I see something different in people that have your perspective. So let me give you a scripture that I want to read. And then um, I, I'm anxious to hear what you say. I've got about three or four verses here. I'm not going to make this a Bible study. I just want to get the perspective. So he said, this is in 1 Peter 2. Peter's writing to church and he said, My divinely loved friends, since you are resident aliens and foreigners in this world, so our residency is not in this world, but it's in another kingdom. I appeal, you to, appeal to you to divorce yourselves from the evil desires that wage war within you. He's not saying the evil desires that are in other people. He's saying the ones that are in us. Okay, And he said, live honorable lives as you, as you mix. Yeah. Live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers, even though they accuse you of being evildoers. For they will see your beautiful works and have a reason to glorify God in the day he visits us. Now, here's the scripture that really, you know, that makes me, that I need some answers from you on. He says, follows up all of that. And he says, in order to honor the Lord, this next phrase bothers me. He says, you must, in order to honor the Lord, you must respect and defer to the authority of every human institution, whether it be the highest ruler or governors. He puts in place to punish lawbreakers and to praise those who do what's right. For it's God's will 
for you to silence the ignorance of foolish people, not by what you tell them, but by doing right. So, okay, you're uh, Instagram people, I'm Facebook people. It's a generational thing. So when I'm on my Facebook stream, I've got all these people ranting over the president, over new laws, over things that are going on. And these are people that claim to be spiritual adults in, in the Lord. And they're doing just the opposite, it appears, to what I'm seeing here. Then I see young people that are rebellious, but yet they kind of want what the other people are upset about. So tell me what's going on. How do I relate to this? Teach me. I think that scripture is very clear that the whole of creation is groaning, waiting for the manifestation wow. of the sons and daughters of God. I believe that it's, it, sure, it can be a little frightening to see what culture is doing right now, I think it's exciting to see what is happening. So what in this we're world. seeing is the actual groaning that he prophesied? I believe so. Wow. And I believe that there is a waiting, that there is a responsibility on the church. I don't mean the church lowercase C. I mean capital C church, yeah. the body of Christ all around the world to take charge and influence culture. I love that scripture because it says not about what you say, but what you do. I believe that there is a place for us to stand within culture and influence it. I believe that that's the place that we have to be. And sure, it can be frightening, but it's exciting to know that we get to pray over our president. I don't have to agree with him, but I get to bless him. Wow. You know, I get to activate, I don't know how far we can go with this, but I get to activate the atmosphere and declare things and through my prayers shift a whole nation. We get to influence our culture in such a powerful way. And it's all over scripture. Romans 12, uh, do not conform with the patterns of this world. Do not conform with the patterns of this. It's not accept it and be okay with it. It's okay to disagree. And it's important for us to disagree with it. However, we need to do something about it. In 1 Corinthians 1, Paul teaches the church um, that the foolish things, sorry, Paul teaches the church that the things of God seem foolish to man. Yeah, And they are here to confuse the wise of this world. And I think it's very important that we are not scared of sounding foolish, being foolish in the eyes of man, because we are taking ground. This earth, sure, right now it belongs to evil, but we are the walking kingdom of God on it. And we get to take ground. And I think it's very important for us to stand within culture and maybe even redefine it. Culture is a characteristic of knowledge and uh, arts and all these different things. Personally, I don't think culture has to do with our morality. I do believe that we can establish morality within culture. I think that as a church, we can, we can go after morality. You know, there's so many things that are happening in culture right now that I personally disagree with. As a Christian man, I look at these things and I'm like, I don't agree with this. I don't like this. What can I do about it? Because what is the point of me just looking at it from afar if my kids one day are going to be part of it? I need to know that. I know that my parents fought for culture. When we lived in Brazil, my dad fought for all that stuff. And I got to stand in a place where the church was huge in Brazil. And I got to learn. And it's what Kat said. I got to learn as a Christian kid. 
And today I'm where I'm at because of all that learning that I had. And now I want to be able to stand in the gap for my children that are still to come. You know, for, for your grandkids, for your great-grandkids, for Kat's kids that are coming. You know, like, I want our children, this next generation, to know Jesus. So for that to happen, we need to influence culture. Yeah, um, I think going back uh, to 100% agree with all of that, <laughs> um, but to just kind of digging back to the beginning of that, of just talking about like, what you know, some of like, your generation might be speaking out on Facebook about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's some of what we were talking about, the wineskins. Um, we've gotten, I really believe that the American church has gotten comfortable in a country that yeah. once we, you know, it's a, like, nation under God like and that that is we are founded on Christian principles and so I think because of that we've almost institutionalized Christianity within our American culture because when you go to other countries and you hear Christians from other countries they're not relying on their government they're not relying on their government to be able to like to move culture or be able to like I mean yes like they're praying for their government yes they're they're wishing they're hoping and they're praying and they're contending for things to shift for the for the good of the lord but they're not like it is not a like hill to die on for them and they understand that because much of these countries christianity is not going to be welcome in their government and they recognize that and it's like that's something that they recognize is that is a mountain that i have to contend for that's not something that i'm just privileged and given and I feel like American church, we got really comfortable yeah, yeah. in a country that once yeah. allowed us all these freedoms. And I, I mean, still have them. Hopefully stays that way. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think just in a country that like allowed us all these freedoms and was originally founded in these Christian principles, I think it's just really hard because we, we system, we, we institutionalized and like made a systematic way yeah. of like, Christianity and it's like it has to be this way and it's like we have this we have these ideals that it's like it only works it only stays safe the the church is only protected if but that's like for me I'm like did you forget how big God is yeah yeah did you forget that the number of times that the um, Israelites were in nations that were not of the Lord and the Lord still was triumphant you know and the Lord showed his victory he showed his glory in those situations and it's like there is there are so I mean story after story in in scripture. I mean you have like I mean they should talk about the early church and I mean they were they were so small living in these countries that mm-hmm. were like you know totally living rampant lives. Yeah, yeah. And that's not what those scriptures were like referring, you know, those were they were not referring to like, okay, your your government's supporting you. No, they're saying when your government isn't at your isn't behind your back you're going to do right and you're going to honor them yeah. and you're going to and just and but you're but what doesn't stop i think is that continuing to contend and to to fight in the spirit world mm-hmm. for what you know is truth and what you know is right and so i feel like and that's something i feel like the shift with our generation is we're just tired of we're tired of a a powerless fight so good um and i think we i think we talk about like you know that um like 
we have the form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And we talked about, like, that's, like, really, like, the tension, it seems like, of, like, a millennial and Gen Z. Yeah. Of the tension is, like, we're, like, okay, we don't, like, this generation, they don't want some fake Christianity yeah. or that's just founded upon these systems that are protected by the American government. Yeah. We want a... <laughs> I don't know if you can post this. Wow. Um, it's wow. It's so, so, so my Christianity was something given to me by my government rather than through my faith in God. I, some of your generation <laughs> might believe that. Wow. Some. And that because I feel like that's what we're seeing now. Whenever we have, you know, people coming into offices that are that are maybe, you know, not I mean, the, the scripture is clear that whoever the Lord had, the Lord willed for that time is going to be there. What we do with it is going to be, is what, we now once he's there, what are we going to do with it? Mm-hmm. You know, and what, how are we going to honor him now he's in this position? And so it's like, when talking about like our, you know, president, whatever you want to say. And it's like, there is, once, there's a fight, I feel like, that's happening that we're seeing that tension mm-hmm. of like, okay, where where is your faith really grounded in? And I don't think it's just, like, it's not everyone, but I think some of those arguments are coming from that place of, and maybe it's not even just on the government side, just a very institutionalized Christianity. And so it's like, but then you see our generation, maybe that's why things get a little weird, because we're like, forget the normal, forget the institution, forget, we're like, we just want Jesus, and we want to see the supernatural. And I think that's what's so intriguing about um, millennials and Gen Z, that when introduced to the supernatural, like you see this, because that's what people want authenticity. Yes. Yeah. That's what drives our generation is they just want people that are real and authentic. And so when introduced to the to the supernatural, well, that's the most authentic of Christianity that you can get yeah. because that's the only place that's found. Yes. And so, and I think you start to see where I feel like some of like the structure of church has been, especially in COVID, was really challenged. I think that's where it kind of made room for some of these new, like this new wineskin to be able to like come and for for generation to realize, oh, that really is what I'm craving. And we're like, we understand that the system is gonna be broken. I mean, I teach in a very broken system area of, you know, of, of population in the high school that I teach at. And it's like, and I have to understand that the system is broken for them, mm-hmm. but that doesn't affect how I pray for them. That doesn't affect how I show up and be a pro, like be and be good. Jesus to That's them. So good. That doesn't affect how I like, I mean, how the conversations that I have for them. Like, and so I think it's just, like you said, then we have to go into society and recognize that our, our role is to shift the atmosphere in which that we have influence over and to continue to pray and to honor those that were appointed for us and above us and to continue to trust that the Lord has plan and has purpose in what he's doing there, but not to rely on the system to be your protection, not to rely on the yeah. system to be your your wineskin. Yeah. That's really important. So I'm sitting here going, Okay, you give me so many questions, so many questions. We both talk a lot, so yeah. you pick no, the talkers. But I mean, it's like, I, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm going, okay, that makes so much sense. But then it leads, so for instance, yeah. uh, we got people, all this generation wants is handouts. They want, 
they want uh, free education, they want this and that, they want this and free health care, they want that. But yet, I'm from a generation that wants the government to pr protect the way I worship. We're both looking to the government for something that we see as important, and we're both wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think there's a place of influence that we can stand in. For example, yeah. in, in, in the Old Testament, Daniel was ripped out of his home and literally taken by a bad king into a whole new land, into Babylon, yet he influenced that king. Then while, there was a, while serving it. Yes. Exactly. Then there was another yeah. king. Yeah. Daniel served him and influenced him. Then there was the third king. And then that third king, he's thrown into a lion's den. It's like this whole yeah. mess. He still serves him. Yeah. He still serves the in the rules, but he influences. And you okay. see that throughout biblical history. Esther did that. Yeah. Esther, in the palace, stood before the king. She honored the rules. Yeah. She honored how the... If you see, she follows the rules and how to reach him until the moment where she has the, the ability to break a rule. Yeah. Until the moment where she has that authority to run into his palace, into his throne room, and ask for something. But she follows the rules properly until that moment to influence and save her people. You see that all the way till the moment where the, where the Jewish people, they are allowed to now go back home and rebuild their temple. It was the king that had them that allowed them to go back because of people's influence within the government. We can shift a whole nation and we can shift a whole generation and we can shift a whole lineage through our obedience, through our honor. I love that at our young adults, our first pillar is honor. I believe that there is a place of honor that needs to be there. And if the Lord has truly established all of our authorities, like it says in scripture, which I believe he did, then my duty is to honor. I don't have to agree with him. I don't have to like them. I have to love and honor. So, and, go ahead. I was saying, and just to kind of point a little question on your point of, um, in our generation, yes, there is wrong in the whole, always wanting handouts, free education, all of this, but I, I would really like to see if that principle stood within people that are truly founded in scripture or if that is a if that is the generation of if that's our generation that's in the world that's what they want but once we come into that like that knowledge of the lord and we have like a that we begin to develop the servant's heart that comes with you know with serving the lord and you be, and you begin to develop some of the fruits of the spirit how is i would be curious to know if that begins to shift and that that mentality once, because, I mean, there's a humbling that happens because I feel like a lot of those places come from a place of pride. And every generation, I feel like, has a, a way that the pride, yeah. that oh, pride yeah. manifests. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I feel like that's the manifestation of our generation's pride in the world. And so it's how do we respond to that? Now, are all of these systems wrong? I'm not going to, like, that's not my, that's, yeah. you know, that's not my... Right. Area to speak on. Yeah, right. But but is it? But I would be curious. I just want to know that of like what that because you know your your definition in that moment was that or the way you you grouped that was you know saying like you're the church yeah, yeah. that the church that's relying on the government. Well, then with our generation, is that the people that are in? Is that our generation that's in the church? 
that's asking for the free handouts and asking for the, you know, for the free education and all this? Or is that the generation that's still on the streets that needs to know Jesus? Okay. Let me respond to it that way, this way. <laughs> Matthew's description of the virgins, the ten virgins. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they're ones, or they're ones that they were all anointed. They all had lamps burning, but there were some that were actually able to enter in and someone that missed an opportunity. And I think, um, I think it goes even deeper than what you said. There's not only a separation between us and the world. That's obvious where we're placing our trust. But I think even within the church, there's a separation of those that go into the fullness of God and those that are left outside. Jesus said where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Um, so there's, there's a bunch of my generation that are not entering in. Obviously, when I talk about, maybe that wasn't obvious, but when I'm talking about what we're saying here, what we've been discussing, oh my goodness, I feel like I'm the student here. No, no, I, no, no, no. I really am. I feel that tremendously. But what, what I'm hearing you say is that uh, I've got to understand the difference between Obviously, those that walk in light and those that walk in darkness. But also, once I'm in the light, I have to keep pursuing the light yes. mm -hmm. because that darkness will overcome if I don't continually put fresh new light in its place. Mm -hmm. My batteries run out and the fast flashlight goes out, right? Yeah. And your generation has a lot more, um, I feel like, uh, stamina and not letting the batteries run out than ours. That yes. is something that, that, well, is, that is, is having the things we learn, and that's a whole different topic, but just something to, to throw in the, in terms of spiritual stamina, yeah. that is not our generation's um, strength. You know, during, during COVID in our church, there were a bunch of people left. And it was also right during the middle of Black Lives Matter and all those things that were going on, and they left for various reasons. They, you know, they wanted to be safe. They, they didn't like the stand on what we were doing with interracial relations. They, whatever it was, they all left. After basically we've come free, they haven't come back. And you said it earlier, I think as a result of COVID, there's been that divide. There's been that opportunity. This, this is, um, as I read this scripture in Peter, um, it says he does all this, uh, the highest rulers, the governors, he puts in place to punish lawbreakers and praise those that do what's right. I don't know if he's talking about unbelievers here, if he's talking about in the church, that these rulers are there. I mean, I see right now when our, when our Christianity was comfortable, everybody was in the boat. When our Christianity got uncomfortable, a bunch of them got out of the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Goats and sheep. Uh, how did they plant the tares? Oh, my goodness. Teach me. Tell me more. <laughs> this, and I just want to go back on something that Kat said after he said that. I just thought about this, that... I think that the reason why Millennials and Gen Z actually jumped in the boat now is because of what Kat said. We are looking for, a gen, for genuine. We're looking for real. Yeah. 
and in a world that is so devastated and so messed up like 2020, yeah, yeah. we needed something. We needed a sign. We needed miracles. We needed to see what we've been hearing about. Mm-hmm. It goes back to Job when he tells the Lord, I heard of you, mm-hmm. but now my eyes see you. I believe that that is a strong scripture for millennials and Gen Z is we've heard a lot and we're tired of stories. We want to live it. And I believe that this is the moment where, where we are jumping on ship. Obviously, we do have people from our generations that are jump, jumping off. Like Kat said, low stamina. You know, sometimes even we are like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? <laughs> I'm like, during COVID, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't always like, yes, come on, Jesus, we're going to get through. The-. There were moments where I was like, okay, what's happening in this world? I'm terrified. But there was that drive for the genuine and I've been saying this for a while, like I've even been posting on my social media several times, the Lord has given me a heart for Gen Z. I believe that Gen Z is going to be the hungriest generation for God mm-hmm. for this reason. We, uh, they, I'm not Gen Z, they are looking for genuine and there is no one more genuine than Jesus. Yeah. So I feel like Gen Z and the millennials, specifically Gen Z, are a perfect generation to meet Jesus. Wow. And I, I feel like you, what's unfortunate in our, in our generations, what you're seeing is, um, I feel like a bigger gap of unbelief though. Yeah. Um, because I think in the system of church, we were talking about almost like an yeah. institutional of church, it was easy to be, you know, a, be back row Betty and to sit on the, you know, sit and just come in and out and into, you know, kind of like, you know, had somebody or you know have one foot in one foot out and yeah. it, and you know it was it was it was a little easier to do that mm-hmm. you don't walk in a church like ours and you no. like you will stay and it's like so i feel like you're seeing like whenever as you see churches start to pursue this like like this authentic wave of the holy spirit that he's like trying to release this awakening over the you know over the world to be able to prepare our hearts for his bride's return or for the return of christ for his bride and I flip that around, but you get what I'm saying. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so, but um, as as that's be, you're seeing that sh- the church begin to make that shit. You're seeing like even our generation have to like it's either you completely commit and you're in like the, for that authenticity, or there's this gap. But I feel like if we're strategic, and this isn't this topic, but we can reach that gap in a different way than reaching the people that maybe were like, I'm going to come, I'm going to be a CEO, Christmas, Easter, and other special occasions of churchgoers, you know? And so... Um, I love that. And, <laughs> um, so, but um, with that, I mean, you're also seeing um, a generation that has a very different... Um, you're seeing generations that are marked with a lot more like depression and anxiety. Yeah. And, um, and I think a lot of that is just from overstimulation and things that are offered to our generations that were not from the past. Um, you have a lot more exposure to things at younger ages. Um, and what's, what I think that creates a different kind of hunger than maybe you've seen in generations to past because you're like, I just need peace. I just need joy. And like yeah, you get yeah, this yeah. like place of like, I don't, I can't function without it now because you begin to recognize that, um, that that tearing of your like of your you know heart your spirit whatever you want to say like with the, as you're just having those those moments of of anxiety and depression that have been really been rampant yeah. in millennials and Gen Z already yeah. and so and I don't feel like you heard about that as much with like your generation yeah. um, it was crazy. there 
but I don't like I mean I can't even I mean I can't speak to like what what was the you know what was the the craving what was the what was the thing that got people to be like okay I want I want more of Jesus I want to jump in whenever that was before they got comfortable you know yeah, I'm like yeah. I and it's like where I would love to see how if we could you know almost find a place where it's like what what sparked the generations yeah and bring this like place of remembrance to the generations of like okay remember when this was what drove you here and now it's like God's working in your favor you understand that he's you know he's going to work things out you under you know you have this well, that's, that's obviously another whole conversation Absolutely. because the one thing my generation has is perspective mm -hmm. because we've, we've found out that spring is always followed by summer and summer is always followed by fall and winter. And in the midst of winter, when everything is cold and dead and dying, you, you know that eventually spring's going to return. Um, but uh, that's another whole conversation. Absolutely. I don't think like that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> No. This this is. Uh, I, I feel like our It's always winter. No, yeah. no, it's not. No, it doesn't. It's it is spring, and we're like, yay, spring. Yeah. But, and then we yeah. complain about spring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, that's a different topic. But I just yeah. want to kind of throw that on there as like something to think about and chew on. So we got something else to talk about. <laughs> I think we may be having these conversations a lot. <laughs> I am because I'm learning. I need to know it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I I I, I have this feeling like we could talk forever. And I know you guys have been wore out from your ministry responsibilities and all the other things you're doing. So thank you for that. I really respect this time. And I want you to know that I don't anyway look at this as me leading or mentoring. I think this is, a, this is an issue where you, the three of us, others like you, have a responsibility to invest in what, as you said, will be the greatest harvest that has ever yes. come. And I'm excited about that. I've lived my whole life anxious to see God move in the earth. And I'm seeing it happen in you. And with your permission, I want to go along with you. Please. Amen? Yes. We're All so right. grateful that you are paving a way for your, for your generation. Yeah. That you're, yeah. you're proving to your generation that there's a way to come alongside us. That's because it. Because I feel like there's that... There's, like, we don't want to leave you guys. Yeah, yeah. We don't. Yeah. Like, we're like, we're going to pour out your spirit on the babies <laughs> the, yes. to the yeah. great-great-grandpas. Sure. Know, like, Please. And it's and like, and, that's it. Good. And so, like, that's our heart. And we de we never want, as, I mean, I can, we can really only speak to our ministry. Yeah. And, but, I mean, just want to say that, like, speak that even prophetically over our generation. We will not leave our, yes. leave you guys behind. And so we want and we crave and yes. we desire and for we there to be a way yeah. for us to begin to walk together. So well, we're grateful that you do that. The one thing that's just so obvious from you is, is the honor you give. And I thank you for that. So let's, uh, let's do this again. All right. Yes, sir. Thank you for being here and, and thank you all for participating and listening. And we look forward to continuing the conversation.